Welcome everyone. We have at the begin business Hashem BPJ number 20. That's uh, Bayes Panini joint share, share number 20, addressed both to the husbands and wives. This is a continuation of the share of number 19, which is about how to talk comfortably about sex with your husband, with your wife. We talked about how it is the Varm Shabbat Sinna, and in its Nuadika way, it is still very important in many instances to be direct and to have open, healthy communication about this, because otherwise there's a lot of confusion and hurt feelings. Also mentioned, if you have questions, you feel uncomfortable, or you feel that's a breach in Tzniyas, you could talk to your Rav, your Bayra a mentor, a Kala teacher, Hassan teacher. I think they'll usually verify what I'm saying. Uh, if not, then WhatsApp me and tell me how it's different. I would be very surprised. But it's very much common sense and extremely important. Um, and uh, there's many shiurim um, that I'm believe that did discuss and will discuss about how Tznias does not contradict this, but even is enhanced by this, where when communication is important and necessary for the sake of shalom, to avoid the awkwardness, how important it is to avoid dissatisfaction, to have an open, honest, calm communication, expressing needs openly one for another, so they don't feel unfulfilled, that they feel fully fulfilled, that they're not afraid of expressing, not because of inner shame of whatever reason or or whatever other reason there is. We talked about how despite the busyness of life and the importance of being Isaac in all areas of life, working, learning, davening, raising children, simchas, family things, everything, but nevertheless cannot go into the back burner, the connection between the husband and wife, both the emotional connection and the physical connection, both outside the bedroom and inside the bedroom, cannot be neglected, needs to be really, really strong as a priority. We started talking about how when there's already a distance, how to connect with one another again. There needs to be a deep commitment to willing to be put in the effort that if there was already a distance, whether it's no intimacy at all, or rarely, or it's an afterthought or a routine, now it's important when you both decide that you want this closeness, you're willing to put in the effort, but it's hard to start those conversations and very awkward. Uh, so then there's Aitzis, how to go about it, and we started to talk about it in Shear number 19, never being accusing and blaming, showing effort, express how serious you are on the willingness and wantingness to connect, not just physically, emotionally too, but here we're talking about the physical sexual connection and how to share with one another, how to start physical touch in mild ways and, uh, uh, you know, as till you get used to that and eventually get it, you know, get to a point where you're comfortable with each other. We talked about the vulnerabilities of, of aging and how to calm each other uh, uh, down about it and so on. So now we're going to continue. So one real nikuda when you're going through this, and this is not just good advice for people that are already physically distant and want to reconnect, but this is very good even if you're already you're, you're still connecting or you're newlyweds or in any stage of marriage. The side really, a real general rule is, is you don't expect your husband or your wife to read your mind about your sexual needs and what you want and what makes you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good. They are not mind readers. 
And if you don't like the particular way how your husband or your wife is touching you, then you guide them to the areas that feel better for you. And and like we said, also, especially for those that were disconnected and need to connect, and even if you're connected already, you need to have these reassuring touches with each other in the Tahara period, obviously, through the day. And when, you know, when you're receiving touch, whether in those times or in the bedroom, and expecting your husband or wife to know exactly what you want all the time is not realistic. You move it out of your mind. Don't say to yourself, he should have known, she should have known, shouldn't they know by now? Don't expect anything. Don't have any expectations. It's a learning experience. If you're receiving touch that you're not comfortable with, then then there's no way for your spouse to read your mind about it. Don't expect it them to know. Don't be angry at them that they don't know. Rather, out of love and menschlichkeit and respect, you educate and you explain. You explain what you enjoy. And here is where uh, a wife as, as, as a tsunua, she could be and should be more assertive on her side. Even It's not only, I say, I, I don't even like using the expression, despite the fact that she's a tsunua, she should do this anyway. Even saying that expression is incorrect. And that's not the share for now. I will go into explaining exactly why that is. But as a tsunua, to be more assertive, to be more openly expressing, I like this and I'm not so crazy about that. And even taking the initiative, guiding his hands or whatever, or his mouth or whatever, to where she wants to be touched and to be open about it. This is what I like. This is what I need. This is what makes me feel good. And this not, you know, whatever it is, I don't want to be graphic. I don't want to go into detail, but all of you in your own private lives, this is what you do. Again, don't think when it comes to this area, you want to practice uh, precious. You want to practice that you, 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 you want to not eat that ice cream that you really could afford not having. Kalakavod, do that. You know, if you're strong enough and you ask a Shaila and it won't affect your learning or your health and you want to, for whatever reason, you speak to your Mayra and you want to fast a half a day for chuva purposes or whatever it is, you want Kalakavod. You want to do that? You want to do that. You both have a minig, uh, you know, you're hungry and it's Shabbos and you have the minig six to seven, Mazel Madam, you don't eat. You're hungry as can be and you want to be, whatever. Here is not the time. Here is not the time. Here is a time where Adarabba, the more you experience physical pleasure, the better. The more you enjoy it, the better. And the and the and and without guilt complexes about it. And to want to express what you need. This makes me feel good. This doesn't. And you talk about it in open, husband to wife, wife to husband. And we talked about this before. There needs to be a certain playfulness, kalas, not kalas reish. We went through this when we were talking in the kuntris viadata by Rav Chaim Friedlander, we went through some of this in that Kuntris, where he explains the difference. With the Chazaynish, he's not talking in this context in his letter on the sexual-physical relationship. He's talking overall, and he uses the Lushan there that there shouldn't be an overall severity in respect, even though respect is a healthy thing. You have to respect. There needs to be respect. But there needs not the formality of it, is what he's really emphasizing 
in the Kuntras, how he explains the Chazaynish, and he uses, the Chazaynish uses the word kalos. There needs to be a kalos, a certain lightness or playfulness, as you say, between a husband and a wife. And this is the opposite of kalos reish. You see, kalos reish is a terrible negative thing. It says there's a din v'cheshben if there's a kalos reish between a husband and a wife even. Kalos reish is a certain, um, uh, I don't know what the Yiddish word is, a grubkite, a certain coarseness or a vulgarness when you're taking that, like the culture does, taking the sexual realm and making it ugly and disgusting and nivelpe. That's kalos reish. Kalos is the total opposite of that without the kalos reish. Kalos means a certain lightness. We said this before and we went through a, a habit number one of those four habits, playfulness, a certain lightness, a certain warmth, a certain openness, a certain joy needs to be there in all of marriage, outside the bedroom and inside the bedroom and in the sexual realm as well. And it's very, very important. And what's important to know, and we, you know, we stress this many times, one has a high drive, one has a low drive, you work out a schedule, you work it out between you, but you need to know neither of you are wrong, neither of you are right. There's no right and wrong here. There is no right and no wrong in the Teva Hashem put into you. If you, we told said this many, many times, you have real tzaddikim, erlichayidim, that have the Teva of having a higher drive. That doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean they're coarse, they're high people but they have a higher drive. And a lower drive doesn't mean that you're being, you know, uh, 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 mean about anything. You just have a lower drive. None of you are wrong. There's no guilt complex that should happen when someone has, no one should feel guilty if they have a high libido. No one should feel guilty if they have a low libido. As long as they're doing everything Ehrlich in their house, and in the streets, as they're conducting themselves outside the house, they're mekayim as much as possible. And they watch what they see, and they're careful with filters, and they be careful with shmiras einayim. Then the very high libido aspect is not wrong. Low libido is not wrong. So a healthy couple needs to know this: that life is rarely balanced. Overall, it's rarely balanced. You never have a real balance where everything exactly even keel that you all have the same interests and the same wants and liking the same things. And if that applies to all areas of life, whether it's aspects of food and and anything outside the house that you and your wife, you and your husband talk about where you differ, because you have just different people, different tastes, the same applies in the sexual realm. The fact that you have different levels in sex drives is not an avala. Every marriage goes through that. It will never be perfectly balanced. It will never be. But the nakuda behind it is, is that there needs to be a sensitivity one to the other. There needs to be a consistency, but there needs to be not that crazy hyper-focus pressure. Like, for example, the high libido one would be happy with three times a day. The low libido one would say, you know, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, like you know, when tell me the next time there's berchas achama or something. So whatever it is, so obviously, but the real thing is to be mavatli your and realize in a in 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 a marriage, it's important. It's an ingredient. It's a glue. It's needed. 
and the high one needs to have sensitivity to work through it, and the low one needs sensitivity to work through it, and they work a healthy balance, a schedule, and the tremendous chesed of each one for each other, working on this with each other, and giving when you can give. And again, like I said many, many times before, in most cases, I'm not talking about maybe in newlyweds, it's different, where they're not used to each other yet, they're very excited, so it could be that they over hyper-focus on the sexual realm because it's new to them and it's fascinating to them and they're in the infatuation stage. So that's common and there they need to regulate and realize, hey, you know, that's there's more to life than that, uh, you know, and you got to see the other aspects of marriage and that's important for young people like that. The opposite is usually true with married couples that have been married more than four, five, six, seven, ten and more years where the opposite is true, where the, the tendency is the default drift-off period or drift-off mode, and the tendency is to, to that the problems are more by having less frequent sex than more frequent sex. And in those situations, obviously, that is the, that is the goal, but working with it together, but without the guilt complexes about it, and without feeling guilty, but with healthy, open communication and scheduling it through and working it through like everything else in life, it could work beautifully. Now, we touched upon some of what I'm going to say now in, I think, SBJ number seven about the vulnerability of the one who initiates the sexual relationship. We're going to talk a little bit more on that, so I guess make a mental note that SBJ and the end of this one, SB20, has a similar theme, although it's related to what I said before. And the idea behind it is, is that um, the, the, the issue of initiation, initiating sex, while not, is, is a very sensitive subject. And it could be very painful because of the rejection that's often felt. It's like that elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. And over many years, and this is the sad part, the sad part is many years could go by where it's that mahalach, where one with the high libido always initiates and the other one, you know, is menschlich, so they comply reluctantly. But but there is still that very much scariness that the one who's initiating is afraid to, the one that's lower is pulling away. And you could, this could go on for years and years, and it could really have a negative effect. It could creep into other aspects of the marriage, too. It could create a certain uh, feeling of distance or disconnect or resentment, even. So first to talk about the one that has the higher libido, to discuss that person. Again, stereotypically, it's the husband, but it could very well be the wife. In many cases, it is the wife. Either way, the one that is has the lower drive needs to understand that the one with the higher drive when he's initiating sex and showing his desire for it and that he wants it or she wants it they're not being a chazer they're not treif they're not being an animal they're being normal they're being a normal human being based on the teva that Hashem gave them and they love you and they're not one track minded you look clearly, the proof that they're not one-track-minded is that Baruch Hashem, they go to shul three times a day, they're serious about their learning, they put on tefillin, they go to work every day, or the wife, if she's the one, she does her mothering and taking care of the children, and sometimes even working, you know, working part-time, even sometimes full-time, 
Isaac and so many hundreds and differences of things that both of them work on that it's really clear to say that whichever one has that high drive for sex and very interested in it, even if they would want it three times a day and be happy, they're not animals, they're not chazerim, they're not one-track-minded, and it's normal. And even healthy, I would say, especially if they really love their spouse. The physical, the fact that they want that is not a negative. It actually is a positive. That is one thing that they need to know. On the low libido person, also, it's not fear to judge them. Not the fear to judge them. It's a teva. They have to work through it, just like the high one has to work through that they can't always, you know, realistically, you know, obviously, in the neither period, it's, it's, it, it's, it's non-existent. After a baby, it's non-existent. Even in the tar period, there has to be a compromise. And there has to be a working through. And he has to, or she has to, the high drive one, curtail at times. They can't have it all the time when they want it. And at the same time, on the lower drive person, they need to understand that, or what rather, the, what, what, what the higher one needs to understand from the lower one is, they're not being mean. They're not being angry and resentful. If they happen to have a low libido, they have a low libido. Now, we talked about it in a different shurim. If medically it could be an issue, then you work through the medical or emotional reasons why that is. We had other shurim on that. But if there's a normal, regular, normal imbalance, the fact that one is less interested naturally in sex is not a crime. Like I said, it's, it's no one's fault. But what the low sex drive person has to understand and is that it is important in a marriage and also it's very important that in many many times they have to get used to initiating sex as well it is a big burden to always have one side always initiating and even if you don't feel like it you know, because it's not your thing, you know it's important, or it's more or less scheduled, or it should be to connect. It's very important to overcome that and to work on switching off and sometimes mixing it up that even though, yes, most likely, if you go through the span of your marriage, the one that has the higher drive is the one that will initiate more. Nevertheless, to work very, very hard in the marriage to keep it balanced somewhat to let that even the one that has that lower drive to do some of that initiating, some of that, whatever that initiating is, I'm not going to get in graphic or any detail, to do that, to do that for their husband or for their wife, whichever way it is. And there could be, there needs to be discussions. When there's no discussions, all of a sudden you initiate, there's an awkwardness, what do you, you know, you never behave like this, well, what's, you know, and, and they, you, let's say you decide to do this, you're listening to the shear, you're, you usually, you never initiate, now all of a sudden you will and the other one will, like, you know, it may, you know, may not understand what, what's this about, so it's really probably better to have a conversation before, discuss whether you heard in this shear, other shearim, that let's talk this through, let's work out a balanced approach with this so that we both can be very happy with this aspect of our lives. You could discuss, for example, what you like and not like when I initiate, right? Meaning when I, init- when, when I initiate, you could ask your spouse. When I initiate, is there things you like about it or don't like about it? Or how would you like me to initiate? Is this something you would like me to do for you in a different way? 
Be open about it. What can I do to, to help you want me to initiate? And, and that's very, very important. All these conversations are extremely important. And again, not to overthink it. You know, sometimes there's a trial and error. One thing is, it's just good advice as an Aitza, is that when you are initiating, you don't ask for sex like you're asking, you know, would you like a cup of coffee or a glass of water? It has to be more like with a meaningful tone, with an emotional feeling behind it. You know, so that that's obviously common sense. Flirting is very important. Not going to go into graphics of what that is and how it is. Each one knows, kalechad, what they could do. Because what you're doing there is, and again, we're talking the, the privacy and everything, it shows that you're interested. It shows desire. It shows that you're receptive. And frankly, it's very, you know, you don't look at it this way a lot. It actually is respect. It is derech heretz. You are respecting your wife or your husband. You're showing them respect by flirting with them. Because you are saying to them, you are a human being. You are my husband. You are my wife. I love you very much. You mean a lot to me. And I want to be with you. And this, what I'm doing, this flirting, is expressing that. That I value you, and I want you, and I care for you. And even that's not a steer to the playfulness. This is something also that couples sometimes need to learn with one another. That, that, that you could have extreme deep respect for one another. And flirting is not so to that respect. Being sexually playful with one another is not contradicting that respect. And Adarabah, you do it the right way. That lightness, not kalas reish, but kalas, enhances and deepens the respect and connection with one another. That is very, very, very important. Okay, so we talked about all these um, areas, and may HaKadosh Baruch Hu help that it should help, and that this idea, again, going back to the beginning of 19 to 20, that you really think of what the Taitzah about it is. I know, like we said in the beginning of Akdama, this is a, a delicate matter, it's private, it's meant to be with a tremendous tznius, taken with a certain reverence, but at the same time, a callous at times, a playfulness, a warmth. And the need, the tzairich of communication, overrides in many aspects the chiv of tznius in certain ways. As we expressed in the beginning of the shir of 19, and in this shir, whether it is being open when you think there's where there is dissatisfaction or frustration to be more open, and if they can't get the hint, you're going to have to be direct and not be ashamed of being direct. And even when there are actual sexual interactions, to be open, sigh the husband, sigh the wife, they're both sneistic, wife is a tsunua, but the, the, the place where what she wants, where she wants, that makes her feel good, that is important, and that's part of what Sneas is, as I would explain, Bez Hashem, in different shiurim as we go along. Bracha and Atzlacha.